Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and it's me with... Oh, yeah. A sep- very a tap in the water. <laughs> yeah, very sick Wadzilla. And uh, Tommy the Cat's here, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, it's a really good one this week. We uh, we did ACDC Flick of the Switch with somebody from across the world. Yes. In uh, Sweden? Knights. Knights from Slovenia. Slovenia. Very cool yes. dude, man. And it came out really good. He's a big fan of Flick of the Switch, as am I. And uh, really good guy, you know? It's like, now we have, like, you know, a total foreigner on our show. I think a first time ever, you know? Well, we've had people from from Europe, but, you know, this is out of, you know, to me it's exotic. It's Slovenia. Yeah. And he's awesome. Wait Wait till you hear his Dracula impression. He's awesome. Yes. And uh, very, very honored to have listeners from you know uh you know another country like that that, that to, to know that our sense of humor and everything translates that they get it man that's awesome yeah and he, he donated a lot of money to have this uh review and to have it uh with us and we applaud him you know it's, and it's awesome yes. to know that we got our dick and mom jokes that translate well over there in uh transylvania yes and uh you know we, we both did it at, at weird times to accommodate everybody's oh, uh, time I was, zone. I was so tired, but you cannot notice because I'm a total professional. But I was so sleepy doing this episode. But you can't notice, you know, because I really did, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not hard. All I had to do was, like, you know, put like this big dildo up my ass and keep going up and down on it to keep me awake. But, uh, you know, I, I think the reason we made it happen is because, you know, here's somebody donating for our expo again this year and, th- and this guy's not making a trip from Slovenia but he loves us that much uh, that he still you know knew that this is important for us and, and, and donated and uh, man that that's that's a that's a listener there and a half man I really appreciate it right exactly so uh, all right so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later when we're with him so uh, what else is going on there Ian? <laughs> yeah, there is something going on, huh? I mean, literally, minutes ago, something just happened that we got oh. information on that we would love to talk about. Oh, drama, drama! Oh yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I was I was laying around today, not feeling good, and in between taking naps and shit, I, I woke up to see something from Brian Schaefer, uh, basically very upset about what I said about him. And I was only, I've only made it through half of this week's episode. So I'm like, what the fuck did I say about Brad Schaefer? I didn't even know. I, 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 I text you and you were asleep and I text Wang and Wang's like, uh, I just skipped through the episode. I haven't heard the whole thing yet. <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck. Yeah, it, it was, it was literally five seconds. Uh, you brought him up and, uh. What, uh, let's just say what happened. You brought him up at the end when, you, oh, if you like this episode, I know Brian Schaefer didn't. And then I said, Brian Schaefer ain't listening. And then I go, oh, by the way, Brian Schaefer called me. And then you, and, and it's something that people need to understand. 
most of most of these episodes, when Ian listens to it, it's brand new to him because he's blacked out drunk doing it. He doesn't That's remember true. none of it. So he's so fucked up on this one, this episode, he's really fucking hammered. And I was too. We were all hammered. And he said, uh, when I go, Brian Schaefer called me, Ian said, what do you call you, a spick? And then I said, yeah. But, I mean, because I was under the impression that, well, I don't even want to bring that part up. That that doesn't even matter. But all, well, I, all, I, all, I, all I can say, all I can say is that it was a little tiny joke that Brian Schaefer had an informant, because I knew it. I even said on the Facebook page when he brought it up, I said, don't insult me, dude. Tell me who told you this shit, because I know you didn't hear this yourself. And Brian, being a straight-up guy he is, told me who it was. Now, Brian didn't throw anybody under the bus because this person never told Brian Schaefer, don't tell anybody I told you this. So, you know, and Brian Schaefer told me, dude, if... This person would have told him, don't tell anybody told me this. Brian said, dude, I would have never told you because I'm, you know, I'm a man of my word. But he never told me that. So therefore, and he told me who it was. You want to tell the people who it was, uh, Ian? Well, before we get into that, I, I want to give a little bit backstory. It was, it, w- it was a two-part joke. The first part is, yeah, Brian Schaefer didn't listen to it because it's not Motley Crue or, or, or Van Halen. That was the first part. Then when you said he called you... I said, what do you call you, Spick? And that was a, a, a Trump joke. And it's just a joke. And, and Brian Schaefer and I have talked about this before. Uh, he, we're on very different, you know, political spectrums. But unlike the guy who told him this shit, me and Schaefer hashed this shit out a long time ago. We said, hey, we totally disagree on this shit, but I like you and, and, and he likes me and blah, blah, blah. So we're cool with that the same way me and Bushy. You know, like, I, you know, I have my feelings, they have their feelings. But unlike the informant, we didn't let it ruin the friendship. You know? and, I, and you also don't think Bushy or Brian are racist? No, not all Trump voters are racist. Some of them are sexist, too. That's a joke, people. It's a fucking joke. All right? That's what we do on the show. We fucking joke. But... <laughs> The person who was the informant. Now, this motherfucker. Drum roll. <laughs> How about a banjo roll? Yeah. <laughs> and yes, that's a jab at the South, too. I'm just full of jokes. Wow. It was none other than Justin Childers. Yep, Mr. Drama Shitster. Unbelievable, man. And boy, you know, to listen to way after the IDs, boy, he, he, he loves us. It's kind of like, you know, people that listen to that other podcast and then they bitch about that podcast, but yet you can't help but listen to us. And that's fucked up, dude. Seriously, trying to start shit. It's like uh, some things just never change, right? <laughs> you know what's funny, though? <laughs> is this asshole is a bigger fan of our show than most of our fans. Ah, no, I know. I'm telling you, man. I mean, I think uh, the, our first number is always him. That just shows you what a fucking bitch he is. Man, now, you know, if I had had this drama with some other show, you know what I'd do? I'd, I'd turn it off. Yeah, I wouldn't I'll, listen to it. I don't listen to certain podcasts because I don't like them, you know? I, I, I guess I got enough self-respect. I'm like, all right, fuck, you know, if that's your attitude and I don't like you, I'm not going to give you my time. Including one podcast that talks shit about me. We both know, and I refuse to say what that podcast is, because I don't want to give him no no uh, no information, but uh, Justin, they're like you know, PMs people go listen to it. 
but that is so thanks, funny. Thanks, Justin, giving us number, more numbers. Because I just got back recently in uh, to listening to the show. Because this episode you're hearing today, this was the sixth episode we did in eight days. Yeah, we were fucking fried. Yeah, dude. So it's like, and I do this show. Now I understand it when, you know, bands who go on tour don't listen to their own albums. I used to listen to like every fucking episode we do. Yeah, you know, I don't just, listen to my album. I don't. Uh, only you know, on my radio show, somebody requests a song. But in the in the beginning, you know, shit, you know, I was excited to hear my voice and I wanted to see what I could do better, what, what I was doing was working. And then it gets to where you do it so much, man. It's like, I don't want to burn my, I, I always want this to be a joy. So sometimes I'll go a little while without listening to the show just so I don't get burned out. But I was, I've been listening the last couple weeks, and even me, when I get, by the time I get to the plugs, I'm like, ah, shit, you know? And I, I always used to do the jokes about, you know, the fake guest who's not going to be on the next week, and I was wondering to myself, it's like, fuck, does anybody listen past this anymore anyway? I don't, <laughs> you know? I don't think so. Well, one person does. Yeah, I, I was curious, though. I was like, you know, because I was thinking I should kind of go back to the fake guests. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, hmm, does anybody even listen? Well, yeah, supposedly the, our our biggest hater <laughs> can't fucking tune away. And that's just, oh, my God, what a bitch you are. What a bitch. But I want to say thank you for the numbers. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Keep, keep on listening. <laughs> keep inflating our egos, man. We're popular. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but but man, like, what a shit stir! And it's funny we both called it because we know Brian, and this no, you know, it just it is. We know when people listen to the show. We yeah. we can we can tell by the podcast page because the people who listen every week, no matter what, they always comment. They say something that's specific to that episode, whether it be something they liked or something they you know they laughed at. You can tell who really listens, and you can tell who don't. And you just tell, hey man, there's a lot of podcasts I love that I don't listen to every episode i just don't have time so i'm not judging brian for that i just made a goof on the well guy. brian doesn't listen to us at all i mean according to him he may have heard like one or two and probably not even the full thing but that's cool but you know uh thanks to justin he listened to that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah now justin's bringing us people that don't listen to us new yeah. listeners <laughs> hopefully he didn't know how to save it and he had to download it like five times to fucking what the fuck <laughs> they say god damn it but uh yeah you know, and then I had my suspects who I thought it was, yeah. but then when it turned out to be this fucking douche flute, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. But, uh, it just goes to show, man, you know, I, cause he's, he's attacked me on the, uh, on the YouTube page and I made the same joke. I was like, yeah, keep listening. I love those fucking numbers. Uh, whatever. You don't have no numbers. Uh, well, we do. Thanks to you. Thank yeah. you. Actually we do. Yeah. Go look at the numbers. I mean, I, I didn't, let me, let me go look. Cause I actually, I, I still have it up. Cause I had to hear, uh, 748. And it's only been up for two days. Yeah. Not even two days, a day. Uh, 748. Well, no, yeah. I put it up, uh, late Saturday afternoon. So it would be 746. <laughs> One for Justin. Cause he, he listened and he brought Brian Schaefer. And yes, he, he built it up to Brian Schaefer like it was this horrible thing. You know, it's just, you know, it's just his way of saying, here, look, look what he insane about you. Wah, 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 wah. It's like, and then, you know, all I had to do is because, you know, I know Brian Schaefer in real life. We've hung out many times at shows. I talked to him. He totally understands 
the joke now because he doesn't listen to our show. He doesn't understand. But when you hear somebody like build it up, you know, I don't blame him for thinking shit, man. They think I'm a racist, you know. And I said, dude, it's a joke and I'm going to clear it up like I'm doing right now. I know Brian, dude. Brian's about to give me a couple Def Leppard shirts. You think you think a racist would give Def Leppard shirts away to a spick? Ain't going to happen. Brian Schaefer's no racist. And uh, and Ian doesn't even think that either. Ian was blacked out drunk. And when Ian, what Ian loves to do is like generalize people. And it's funny. I, th- I feel it's funny. You know, I mean... I'm going to be honest, and I already told Ian this. There's a lot of time that Ian gets a little too political, and I edit it out. I, I edit all that out because I don't want this to be the rock and metal political combat podcast, you know? I just don't. You know, that's just yeah. the way I am. So, yeah, and Justin would call that censorship, you know? And, and the funny thing is, I even the running joke with, uh, uh, you know, Justin being a racist... Now, Justin's probably no more racist than your normal person. He's got a little bit in him, and everybody does. Well, so do I. I have a little it, bit in me, too. It, Justin, Justin isn't a racist. That That is for sure. You know, I mean, we, we already remember the Guns N' Roses episode, the shit I edited out. We sounded more racist than he ever will, you know? So right, he's, and, he is not a racist, but it's a, it's a running joke, you know? And on yeah. Ian's part, you know, more than me. Well, yeah, on and, Ian's part, uh, I'm not, I have nothing to do with it. His the little racist shit rants he get off on. And, and the, the, the thing is, you know, it, it's one of those. It's it's no different than school. You know, if if you crack on somebody and they don't care, you don't do it because that's boring. But if they get all worked up, of course you're going to do it more and you're going to run with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Justin's mom. You know, doesn't sleep with black people. She's too fucking racist. Okay. Oh, <laughs> see another joke. You know? It's a joke. See, I'm full of them. But it's funny, like, I know Justin's uh, big thing with uh, Trump is he wants, and this is no joke, he wants to bring coal back because he comes from a family of coal miners. That was his biggest thing with Trump. He wants coal. He he wants, you know, that shit going instead of clean energy, which, the you know, the Democrats push for. That he cares about more than, you know, keeping down darky, you know? But, uh, you know, it, it's a joke. But the thing is, he's still a douchebag, and he can't get over his fucking shit. He can't take a joke. I mean, this is a guy, what he actually quit the page over was because I posted a thing about Axl Rose as fucking hero. And Axl Rose goes off on Bush, I mean, on Trump more than I do. He just did it again last week. And, and it, because it la- it'd be like me, like if, if David Lee Roth would, would keep saying how great Trump is, I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, so I know it really gets Justin. And that's, to me, that's just funny. You know, but he, he is such a douche about this. And even when I do let shit go with him, uh, and then, then he starts it right back up out of nowhere. So it's like, you know what? Anything you can do, I can do ten times fucking better. But I have been accused a couple times, like, we we hide behind the mic. How the fuck do you hide behind the mic? I'm the guy that's saying shit for everybody to fucking hear. Once I say it and it's up on fucking, uh, you know, this thing's posted... Everybody's heard it. Can't can't deny what I said. I gotta own everything I fucking say. I, and all these people I see saying I hide behind a mic are the same motherfuckers who go off on fucking YouTube and Facebook and then they delete their comments. You know, can't delete what I say. Yep. And so. yeah, exactly. You're gonna hide behind a PM that nobody hears, unless right. somebody gives you up. You know, <laughs> like uh. Brian Schaefer and uh, th- that one guy—I don't even want to mention his name—that offhandedly 
they were talking shit behind my back and well he was not justin and that was like brought up on they put up the screenshot and i'm like holy shit this guy is like bad mouthing me to justin childers you know and, and justin like threw him totally like under the bus because he sent that pm to somebody and if he never did i would have never known this guy that i thought was very cool was actually a backstabbing talk, uh, shit talker behind my back. And then, like, after I get exposed, he says, well, I don't like you. I was like, yeah, well, I got, like, some PMs from you saying nice things to me. How would I know you don't like me? Unless you do it behind my back. Uh, on PM. Not on a microphone, because if that guy had a show, he wouldn't do it on behind a microphone. <laughs> I hope none of these motherfuckers ever commit a crime, because you're all getting caught. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, these would be the guys. If it was like point break, they would rob a bank with masks of their face on. <laughs> you know, it's not, and, not too bright. You're gonna get caught. It's wild too. I mean, <laughs> and it, everybody always gets exposed every time. Right. And sometimes it takes longer, but it happens eventually. It does happen eventually. And you know, just one person you piss off, that person can like take screen caps of what you've been saying about other people. It just shared everybody, so, you know, and Justin's uh, infamous of pissing people off, and, you know, maybe a little word to Justin. Be careful who you piss off, because if you talk shit about either one of us, it'll get back to us if uh, they get pissed off enough. Yeah. And you're it, very it, good at pissing people off. Yes. And, and just to Brian Schaefer, so everybody hears this. It, it was a joke, dude. It was a joke. I know we disagree on shit. It was, it was a joke. It's what we do. We joke. So I'm saying right here for everybody. Brian Schaefer's okay in my book. Justin's he still is, a fucking douchebag. He bag. is not a racist, and he's very good at giving blowjobs. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait till Justin tells him you said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian's probably listening to this one. Yeah. <coughs> it's but, a joke, uh, Brian. You don't give a head. Good. <laughs> he doesn't give good blowjobs. Too much teeth. <laughs> Another one we got to get into before we get into the news is, is the ever-evolving... Uh, Andrew Jacobs story. Oh now, boy, this, is, this shit's still going on, huh? This this guy, uh, well, you saw this and he already took it down. I don't know if you saw this. No, I didn't. But, what? Well, he, he, he took down his original YouTube uh, comment from years ago and he replaced it with the one you saw where he said, it's it's all Ralph, I do nothing. Yes, and, yes and, and, I uh, did see that one. Yeah, and I would yeah. like to clarify something about this. You know, number one, just so you and all our listeners know, because I'm, now I'm talking behind a mic. Uh, <laughs> Ian pays for all of this. I, Ian's the one that pays for the podcast. All I do is I edit it and I, and I send it to Ian. And then Ian puts it up. Ian busts, And Ian's the one that promotes the living shit out of this podcast. I just put it on my page or here or there. Ian goes to like all these groups and he does a lot of work. And plus the most important thing you guys got to understand Ian is damaging his health for this show. I'm not. Ian is destroying his liver for this show. What Ian does for this show, what I do for it is peanuts compared to what he does. Thank you. Yeah, so he had that, and it, it, it was hilarious. Like, he, he's trying to do a burn, and it's so miserably failing. Uh, but, you know, and then he took down all of his... Uh, comments that he put up on the YouTube page too he deleted all that shit that I don't even think you ever got a chance to see it was no I didn't see it I didn't see it uh, so what I did is is because hey everything gets back to us 
I got his phone number, <laughs> and I called him and left a message just being a fucking, you know, goof. Like, like I'm going to fucking, you know, like I'm going to kill you or something. You know what I mean? But I left a joke fucking message, and then I put his number up because he's a fucking douche. I put his number up, and a lot of our listeners called and left messages. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and he, and he never he would never pick up his phone, so everything went to message, and he sent me an email saying, "Uh, if you think you're scaring me with those those messages, you're not." I was like, "Hey, man," I go, "Half them ain't even me." I go, "Your number's all over Facebook. Wow. <laughs> Everybody's fucking with you. It's not just me." And uh, you know, uh, he's like, "Well, I'm not scared of you." I'm like, "I'm like, all right, don't don't worry about." It. I go. I, I go, half the people that are going to this thing want to kick your ass because they can't stand you. <laughs> I go, I go, you ain't got to just worry about me. I go, if I was you, I'd walk around that motherfucker and kiss makeup. <laughs> and it's a joke, of course. Nobody's going to fucking do nothing. But then he, he got all fucking pissed off. Fuck you and fuck all your fat loser slob listeners. And he sent this to me in an email and I screenshotted it. I saw that. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh man, this is going to start something here. Because yeah. now you're attacking the people that listen to us. Right. Well, the fight, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead here. Uh, at, at one point, he's, he's before, before that part, he sent me a message. Now all of a sudden he wants to call it off. Let's just stop this. Let's just stop this. And if you remember... I had brought this guy up in forever. He's the one who started this shit uh, going. Yes, that is true. And uh, I know that you did say a lot of things about him, and then it just stopped because your focus went on to Justin, but he kept going on and on. And I, I, one time I told him on my Facebook page, dude, if you want to badmouth Ian, don't do it here. Do it on your page. Don't, you know, just don't, you know, Ian's my brother. We do a podcast together. I love Ian. You obviously don't, and you have your reasons, and I'm not going to, challenge you on it you know if you want to hate on ian because of whatever reason fine go do it on your wall but don't try to convince me you know that you know this guy ian invited me in his house no teeth with that blowjob i mean come on that's right all mouth all mouth all hips and lips all mouth and throat (laughs) but uh can you you hang out with brian and show him how to do it Uh, as long as I got white face on. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, he wanted to call this whole thing off. I'm like, hey, asshole, you didn't think this shit through. You you, you know, you're the one who started this shit. And he called fucking Chris Sinzak all crying about this shit, you know. Oh, and, then I, and then I get a message from, from Sinzak while I'm trying to do my radio show, you know. And, and, and Sinzak, you know, I get it. I mean, hey, man, he puts a lot in these expos, man. I mean, he does a lot. And the last thing he wants is drama. And, and I, I told Chris, and I'll stress this. I am not going to start any drama in the expo. And also, uh, I don't want any of our listeners, you know, whether, you know, you know, because he did offend a lot of people with what he said. I I ask all of our listeners, please, if this guy does show, which I doubt he's going to fucking do. uh, But if he does, don't start anything with him at the fucking expo. Now, if you want to kick the living shit out of this guy in the fucking parking lot or out at the hotel, fuck, I'm all for it, man. I'll, I'll be the first one then to fuck the TV. I'll throw this asshole out the window into the pool. But nothing at the expo. At the expo, we're there for fun and, and, and to have a good time. But, you know, there are consequences. And I pay for the consequences of what I say on here. And this cocksucker is going to pay for him too. And that's what I told him. He kept talking all this mad shit. And I just said, hey, say this shit to my fucking face. You know, 
And uh, and then he got all fucking Chuck Norris on me. Okay, you want to play that game? All right, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I, there will be no violence at the expo, inside the expo. Well, not from us, at least. Yeah, and, and I ask any of our listeners that, that show up, you know, because TikTok, man, fucking would oh, rip his man. fucking head up. TikTok, Jesus. you don't want to fuck with it. I don't want to fuck with TikTok, man. Scott Stein, none of these guys. Uh, none of those guys, man. They're, they're, they're brutal. You know, Bushy's got more guns than sense. You know, <laughs> calm down. Oh, uh, I could feed Justin right and put Bushy right now. Yeah. <laughs> About the guns. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, try to come between me and fucking Bushy. That shit ain't happening. But, uh, yeah, so just, just some crazy fucking idiots. But you know what? And, and I know we've had episodes like this in the past, but this is this is a small fraction of the listeners. Most of you guys show up and there's never any fucking drama, no bullshit. Everybody enjoys the page, but there's always going to be this shit. And that's going to come with the type of show we do because we don't hold back. We don't give a fuck about anybody's feelings. We do what we do. We joke. You either get it or you don't, you know. So yep. there it is. But but again, you fuck, you're fucking haters. Thank you for listening. Keep listening. Yeah, keep, keep, keep listening. You know, uh, I'm sure I'm sure in future episodes, Ian will go off on you, Justin. So keep on listening. <laughs> All right. Fuck this shit. Let's get into some news. What do you All say? right. Okay. Uh, here's something I'm very excited about and very depressed at the same time because it's not coming towards me. Uh, Armored Saint is going to be performing Symbol of Salvation in its entirety on a new tour. Yeah, I'm like looking at the dates going, where, who do I know in these states? Anybody uh, out there, if Armored Saint's coming, uh, please let me crash at your place. I'll fly over there. And you get to hang out with me. You know? And you get to smell my farts. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that. I won't fart. I promise. I'll do it. I'll walk outside. But, man, this is something. First of all, I've never seen Armored Saint. And I would love, this is probably my favorite album of theirs, so I would definitely love to hear this one done. They're also going to uh, do another reissue of this. They did one a few years ago that was awesome. There was a, a three-disc uh, CD version that had all kinds of interviews and demos and live shit. But they're putting out a new one, and they're also putting it out on vinyl, which I'll definitely be picking up. No, me and, too. Yeah, I don't and, have that one on vinyl. And they're going to record... Uh, these shows for uh, for a new live DVD. Awesome. And, and, and what sucks though is, God damn it, it's 2018 now, right? Yeah, 2018. Well, stop with the DVD. Put it out on Blu-ray. Yeah, How much but, more? You know, beggars can't be choosers. I'll take DVD. I don't care. Right. I I know, but it just it seems so. Uh, I, I don't know how much more does it cost to put this out as a Blu-ray. You know, I don't it's know. just maybe maybe it is a lot more. Who knows? I mean, I'll get it. I'll get it either way. But I'm I'm saying that more to if anybody's listening to, uh, you know, from any of these record companies, uh, listens. Because I've I've seen this comment a lot on uh, other websites. You know, other fans saying, "Come on, man! You know, uh, all these new videos are coming out, and they don't have a blue, Blu-ray option." And I, I really think people would pay the extra money for the Blu-ray. You know, I can't think of anybody who would, but you never know. But, uh, man, if you live somewhere where that's coming, it's not a long tour. Uh, but, oh, boy, that, that would be incredible. But, yeah, unfortunately, no Florida or Louisiana dates for that one. I, I highly doubt they're going to come to Florida because there's no mark. The, I saw the Symbol of Salvation tour in 91 to, like, 10 people, you know? So, you know, of course, you know, when you see something like that, pr- promoters get discouraged. 
And they're like, no, I don't think I'm going to bring this band. Because that's the bottom line. If, if uh, uh, you know, bands get paid, no matter how many people show up, promoter gives you an X amount of money. You know, they, you know, there are some shows that when I went on tour, we got the door, you know, door money. I, that does happen, but uh, we're, we're a local unsigned band. I mean, I, I'm sure Armored Saints, like, you want us to play here? Pay us this much. Promoter paid them that much. They came. Five people showed up. The promoter took a major hit. He ain't going to have Armored Saint back. Right. And, and uh, you know, Armored Saint did come back to Florida, but as a package tour with Queensryche, you know? So that that's different, but this is they're doing on themselves, and I don't know. I saw there's a New York show, so maybe you know I know a few people in New York, so maybe I'm, I'll I'll be there, you know, because I don't want to miss this, you know. Right. Unless well, you know we have a listener in some other place that Ohio, I think they're playing, and Massachusetts. Uh, hey, you want to have Doctor Fuckalicious come by, dude? I'll give you a bunch of free swag, and you know, I'll show you how good Ian gives head. He showed me. Yeah. Uh, remember we, we got that homeless dude and uh, <laughs> yeah man I I made him come quicker than Ian that's what a good teacher Ian is well you know me when I get drunk I don't even try exactly yeah. I got drunk too that was a that was part of the the, the lesson a lot of rolling <laughs> lot of rolling rock close your eyes and just pretend it's pussy uh, yeah. huge, a huge clit I remember yeah. you saying that yeah rolling rock and hobo cock man that's how we roll here <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> Yeah, which, by the way, I will be there. As yes. you're listening to this, if you're a brand new, if you're listening to this as a brand new spanking new episode, I am going to New Orleans. We're recording this on Tuesday. I'm leaving on Thursday, and I will be back on Tuesday. So I'm spending uh, quite a while over there with my family, but I'm going to see what I can do. I want to sneak away and uh, spend the night at Ian's house, at least one night, you know, while I'm there. Yeah, and well, hopefully we can do a podcast. We got to talk about that. Yeah, and well, and also you're well. It'll be over by the time people hear this, but you're going to guest on my radio show on Saturday. Well, that's so. that's the part where I'm going to try to sneak away. Now you got to get over your nasty cold. I don't want to get sick while I'm over there. Well, I have an upper <laughs> respiratory infection. I don't think that's not contagious. I I don't know. I, well, look into it. Yeah, I don't know because I, I I went to the doctor today. I got a shot in the ass and some medicine and shit. And uh, the doctor told me, you know, since 69 and with Justin Childers, mom, you're lucky all you got was an upper respiratory infection. You know? Coal. <laughs> coal. Yeah. Yeah. I was coal mining, that's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to try to get better. That's why I'm drinking water now. But we are, we are going to have a good time. We're going to a show on Friday night. We're going to uh, go see Noel Gallagher. Yes, and, and, and I'm excited. I, I know nothing of uh, this man's music other than a couple Oasis songs, but I'm well, sure Well, those I couple of songs, those couple Oasis songs he is playing. I saw the set list. Oh, right on, yeah, right so on. He's playing, he's playing the, the, the songs you know. Right. Yeah, I'm going to be on so many drugs, I'm going to enjoy it no matter what anyway, you know? Plus, we get to hang out. Not me. I work for the city, wink, wink. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. But uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome, and still only our third time hanging out in person. Yep, strike three. <laughs> yeah, and, and our fourth time will be the Rock and Pod Expo that this episode is helped funding. So there yeah, you go. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, we've kind of ran on. We got one last story we definitely have to address here, um, and we we talked about it and. Ralph, you made a exclusive video on the webpage for it, but it was about how Glenn Timpton 
Lou Tipton, uh, unfortunately suffering from MS, will not be doing the tour. And, uh, you know, any of our listeners, join the YouTube page if you want to hear that. But now K.K. Downing has come out and said he is shocked and stunned he wasn't asked to rejoin Judas Priest. Yes. But and, I got to say, what a class act. You read it all, right? Yes. What a class act. He's like, I'm really disappointed, shocked that they didn't ask me back. But you know what? I want everybody out there to support this show. Support the tour. Keep supporting Priest. Dude, that is a classy dude, man. Right. Right. Now, now, what, what do you... And I agree 100%. Uh, how do you feel about that, though? Are, are you shocked that they didn't ask him? Or do you think it makes sense because he left the band? Um... <clears throat> I never really thought about it, to tell you the truth, but now that KK came out and said it, I ain't going to lie, I am disappointed. Though it's hard for me to talk any bad things about Judas Priest because I really do feel Rob Halford is the real deal. Uh, such a great guy, but there must be some shit in the background <clears throat> that uh, we don't know about that the, uh, was a main reason. Now, this is a rumor I don't know how true it is, but with the initial uh, absence of KK, this is what I heard. It had a lot to do with Glenn Tipton's wife because uh, she was managing Glenn or maybe the band at the time. And the deals fell through because they offered him a shit deal. So he left, kind of like a Bill Ward situation. But that's a rumor. I'm not saying that's true. Now, let's say that is true. And Glenn Tipton's wife is probably like, you ain't bringing KK back. So maybe it would fall on her shoulders if that rumor is true. Because honestly, I can't picture Rob Halford or Ian Hill going, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? I just uh, can't. Well, I, I never knew anything about his wife being the manager. As far as I knew, Bill Kirschby is still their manager. Well, uh, I know. I know. Glenn. Well, then again, I'm just saying it's a rumor. But I right. do understand Glenn Tipton's wife did have something to do with managing uh, Priest with Ripper. I know that. Okay. I, I mean, not know that. well, I, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I heard something like that. And maybe she co-manages Priest still, and you know, probably, you know, fought for more money for uh, Glenn over KK, and that maybe, you know, I'm just saying. But I honestly think it's something beyond Rob Halford and Ian Hill that they didn't ask him back. Would I want him back? Hell yeah! I think it would be great because. I saw the Redeemer of uh, Souls tour, and I saw Richie Faulkner take some of Glenn's solos, not only right. KK's. So it's like, dude, why don't you just take all of Glenn's solos and let KK come back and do his solos? It'll be great. But KK is such a, you know, he's hurt and everything, but at the same time, he's even praising uh, uh, Sneep, you know, right. saying he's an amazing guitar player, and I'm sure he's going to do good. So go out and support Judas Priest. I mean, what a classy dude. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it's it's a rough call. First of all, I never heard anything about uh, the wife being involved. And I still don't see how any way you could offer KK less than Glenn. I just don't see that. Now, maybe it did. But it's tough because this has been so vague since he left. I mean, they've never, Priest never really went too deep into it. KK never went got too deep, so we really don't know. Priest you know? is a very, very private band. They never yeah. talked about Dave Holland, Les Binks. Right. No, you know, it, they've been, they're a very private, private band, you know? And now, I like that about them, you know? Yeah. One, th one thing I heard when it first happened 
is that KK was very upset with uh, the reaction to Nostradamus. Yeah. That, that's something I heard, and that he was kind of like, uh, you know, almost like, 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 fuck the fans. Not fuck the fans, but you know what I mean? It just, it discouraged him. It's like, man, we really put our heart and soul into this, and nobody gives a shit anymore, and kind of got just disillusioned with the whole thing. No, but it was very well documented. He pulled out of Jesus Priest right before the Epitaph Tour, because those uh, contracts fell through. It's, it sounded to me like a Bill Ward situation. Uh, and you also have to remember, dude, during the Ripper years, it was the Glenn Tipton show. Like, you know, the Steve Harris show was made in during the Blaze years. Glenn Tipton wrote everything. J- KK didn't have... Uh, I don't think KK had any input. I mean, go look at those albums. I could be wrong. But if he did, it was maybe a song here and there. Glenn Tipton ruled Judas Priest and, and uh, during, during the Ripper years. All right. So well, KK was out during that time. He was well, there, but he was out as a contributor. If, if if that's the case, then that's that's despicable, and we don't know. But I'll say if that is the case, I mean, to try to offer KK Downing anything less than an equal share uh, is, is ridiculous. And I hope someday the truth does come out. I'm sure something's going to come out when this uh, book KK's writing, uh, you know, comes out. I'm sure he'll get more into detail because that'll be a major selling point. That's why I would never have a girlfriend because I don't want no girl to fuck over my little mashi joshi on base. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he he did handle it with class, and he said still go see it. And you know, again, this is another tour that's that's skipping me, and that's unfortunate. But of course, I would love to see uh, KK come back, and and maybe something will happen down the road. I, I really well, they, they might come to New Orleans. I will tell you this right now, and mark my words: Judas Priest will play Florida. On this tour, no doubt, because Jesus Priest never, ever skips Florida, ever. They did on Nostradamus, but that I think that shit was like cut short or something because of the bad reaction. But they they were here on both Ripper tours, every fucking tour from Screamer for Vengeance yeah. to uh, the last album they played yeah. South Florida. Shit, they even filmed uh, the British Steel anniversary in at the Hard Rock, and yeah. they recorded Screamer for Vengeance and. Uh, Defender of the Faith here in Miami. You know? yeah, well, the, the three times I saw Judas Priest were all in Florida. And I saw him twice with Ripper, only once with, uh, they with love Bob. Us. They love us. You know? But so uh, they'll oh, be man, here. I tell you, if they do, I hope this coal job comes through that I'm trying to get. And they open up those Louisiana coal mines, and then, then I can afford to, uh, to come see this. <laughs> Go Trump! Go Trump! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a sad situation all the way around, and I wish, you know... Nothing but the best for all of them because uh, Priest is, you know, they rule, man. Yeah, they rule. And you know what? I am with KK and Glenn. And fuck all the... Hey, you all, you all don't... Oh, it's not Judas Priest without KK or Glenn. Yeah, I, I agree. But you know what? They have done so much for the soundtrack of my life. I'm not turning my back on Judas Priest, especially with these two members saying, go. Telling the fans, go. And I'm your fan, bro. And I'm going to listen to you. And I love you. I love KK. I love Glenn. I love Faulkner. Don't get me wrong. As much as I think Faulkner is maybe the greatest replacement other than John Karabi in any fucking band that I can think of now. I'm sure there's others. Um, but um, I will support Judas Priest because of this shit. Because <clears throat> they've been so... They've been very good to me. You know, so um, I, I love Judas Priest and I love Rob Halford so much. I mean, I really love that guy. He's so classy. 
that I would just love to go, you know, support him in any way. When he came here with fight, I was there. You know, Rob Hoffer comes to Florida. Shit, if he would have came with that horrible two band, I would have went. You know? Oh, I would have loved to see that. I love to. I was I, one of, I was I, one of two people who bought that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But you know, I love him. I love John Five. So I would have went. You know, but, but you know, bring it, bring it to Florida. I'm gonna. I support Priest. I support Jesus Priest. And now that Glenn and KK are saying to support it, it's just that extra push that I didn't really need, but it makes me more proud to go to Judas Priest because I am a true fan. Unlike these fair weathered fucking assholes that, oh, no, yeah, yeah. Look, I know I'm that way too with Bill Ward and Black Sabbath. I was like, fuck that. They fucked them over. Fuck them. That's a different situation, though. Because Bill Ward didn't, you know, come out and say, hey, uh, Go support Black Sabbath and see. No, no. He just stayed quiet and he was like, you know, fuck Sharon, you know? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck that. And and I said this a million times and I'll say it again. By me not going to see Black Sabbath, they ain't going to hurt shit. They're still going to pack wherever the fuck they play because us hardcores don't matter. But you know what? And I'm all for it. You know, people that want to see Black Sabbath about Bill Ward, that's commie shit for me to say no. That's commie shit for me to say, no, they shouldn't be doing this. No, because people will still pay for it just like people still pay to see Judas Priest. And I'm there. I'm going to fucking support it 100%. Thank you very much. All right. Well, now let's get to somebody who supports us and talk about ACDC's Flick of the Switch. Blah. All right. Now we're going to review the 1983 album. Yeah, I know the year of this one. Uh, ACDC uh, Flick of the Switch. And with me is... Oh yeah! We already did an intro, but shit, here's an intro to the to the program. And Ian, I understand we have somebody here from the other side of the planet. Yes, our first guest from Slovenia, Knights is with us. Neon Knights. All Welcome, right, brother. Knights. Welcome, Knights. Hi guys, how are you doing? Really good, man. And uh, I'm glad you picked this one because it's one I like and Ian don't. So that's awesome. Oh, that should be funny. Yeah, oh. it's going to be great. It's going to be a good episode. I, I, well, spoiler, I wouldn't say I hate the album, but I think you guys probably enjoy it more than me. I know but, I a, but, a, but a great fan-picked episode, because this is something, Ralph, I think you even wanted to do in the past, correct? Yeah, I love this album. This album's amazing. The tour was amazing, too. Right yeah. on. Well, before we get into that, Knights, uh, why don't you tell, like, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and how you discovered the show? Okay, so at first, hello to all the listeners. Um, actually, I, I discovered the show uh, from Ralph's uh, Kiss-related reviews. Wow, nice. man. Uh, Everybody seems to know our stuff from Almost Human. That's a freak of a channel, let me tell you. Yeah, because I'm also a huge Kiss nerd or fanatic, call it whatever you want. Uh, you, know, you know what I call it. I call it, you're like me, dude. You're a Kiss nerd like me. Yeah. You know, somebody actually... attacked me one time saying, why do you have to say Kistner? I go, call myself a Kistner too, shut up. But I'm sorry, I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, no problem. Actually, it was a few years ago during my preparations for the exams and everything, since I am still at its um, faculty, 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 so the, the school uh, after the high school, I'm still studying and everything. And during, let's say, study break or so, I filter out on YouTube and I saw your 
his interviews, I think it was for the Crazy Nights or it was for the Asylum. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> yeah. But then I just rolled on and I also saw you, I also seen your uh, Black Sabbath reviews. Yes, my original channel, the Black Sabbath reviews, right. Yeah. yeah, and then, so for this day my learning was done because I was literally soaked into them and everything. And then I, I followed, uh, I, I followed you on the Facebook and everything. And I saw the this uh, uh, your uh, podcast page, and then, as I said, try to follow the episodes, and also going back in the past. At the moment, I think I'm at the Judas Priest Defenders of the Faith, since I'm going backward from the beginning, awesome. and it was the funniest. Yeah, nice. I know. I, I understand. Uh, without you even telling us, your life is much better now. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> See, I, I told you, Ian. How, how does our does our sense of humor uh, transfer good in, in Slovenia? You guys, you guys laugh at the same jokes, huh? You get, you get, you get our sense of humor. Yes, yes, it's 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 you not how it's called. You find it funny that we fuck each other's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could say so also, yes. Oh, I gotta go to Slovenia now. Yeah, I, I like I, those. I, I like them. I, I think it's great. People in Slovenia totally get the fucking jokes, but people here in the yeah. South can't. can't exactly. So people down here, people in America don't get us, but but yeah, people in Slovenia do. Go yeah. figure. Yeah, uh, I mean you. Lo- oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I have a feeling if, if Nashville was full of Slovenians, uh, they wouldn't have ran out of that podcast uh, when we got up on stage. That's they right. They would all cheered and drank beer and party with us. <laughs> we need Slovenians at the next Nashville convention. I'm going to talk yeah. to Sinzak, see if we can do the expo next year in Slovenia. Where's Sinzak from? Slovenia too, right? That's a Slovenian name. <laughs> no, he's Polish. He's from okay. Poland. Same thing. <laughs> Oh, that's a terrible thing to say about Slovenia. I'm sorry. My apologies, Knight. <laughs> it sounds like a Slovenian. It sounds like some name out of this damn fucking country. But anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. so 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 Knight, tell tell me, um, how did you discover uh, ACDC and Flick of the Switch? Uh, actually, I was uh, introduced to them by some uh, Dutch friend. Uh, we were. Uh, on the on the sea, you know, camp and everything, plenty of, of different guests and so. And we talked on the messenger. It was like ten years ago or something. And he sent me the link for the highway to hell. And then you know, it's like a domino effect if you want. Uh, I start to dig, uh, start to research them and everything. And. At first, I also got some records from my father. It was like a hand-me-down thing. Mm-hmm. And then I also saw them twice. It was on Black Eyes tour with nice. the Back in Black original lineup. And I've, I've seen them two years ago, yes, now in Vienna when they were with uh, Axel. Oh, let me, okay, good, good. I'm glad you saw the Axel Rose one. What did you think yeah, it, of ACDC with Axl Rose? 
Uh, I mean, Axel isn't is not Brian, that's for sure, but he's the perfect um, replacement. Thank you. See, that's the problem with people. People always want to bash it, but they did not see it. If people see Axel Rose with ACDC, they would change their mind. You know, okay, they would say, okay, I'd rather have Brian, but ACDC... With Axel Rose, man, he, he can sing Bon Scott, he can sing Brian Johnson, and I don't know about you, Knight, but I think the set list was much better with Axel because they throw out songs that that never uh, was in a Brian Johnson set list. Don't get me wrong, man. I've seen every tour, ACDC tour, from For Those About to Rock all the way up to Axel. And every single show was awesome. ACDC rules live. But man, I mean, with Axel, they were fucking phenomenal. I, I, people suck. See, Knight knows the deal. Yeah, I, I mean, um, it was the, the geek, I think, second or third from the this replacing the dates, which were in Europe. Oh, so, so you saw I, him sitting in a chair, right? Yes, but it was, I think, in, on our, our speech, he made the first, let's say, steps from this throne or this chair, this thing. Uh-huh. And it was really, I mean, like when he was singing, I think, Shoot the Thrill, if I remember correctly, his foot was like literally jumping on the floor, you know, up and down, up and down. He was, he was totally into it, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's that, that's cool that you got to see it, and hopefully it'll keep going on. Because if not, then it was a once once in a lifetime thing, you know. But uh, yeah, but, but based on the online, these articles and everything, there is something going on. I mean, Phil yeah. also said he changed his mind also that he's he's uh, he would like to do it. I mean, I also prefer over, I don't know, over Simon, over Chris Slate and everything. Oh, yeah, uh, but so he's got too many I'm looking problems. forward. Yes, and I'm also seeing Phil once again in April, since oh. they're, they're coming, he's coming in Croatia, so that's like one hour and a half from my city. Oh, that's awesome. You got to give us a report on that. Like, does he play ACDC? You know, I mean, I, I actually yeah, like that job, uh, the album he did. Was it called Head Job, I think? Yeah, Head Job. Yeah. Head Job, yeah. It's actually a good album, man. I dug it. Very ACDC ish, as you'd expect, but it's a very underrated, uh, unappreciated, nobody looked into it album. I think it's pretty rocking, man. Yeah, I actually uh, saw him last year also. He was, oh, you did? Yes, in Vienna. He was also there. And it was one small club, it was not a pop, but in this category. Um, they played around 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, let it be that we've drove, driven three hours from our city to see the 15 minutes show and then three hours back. Fanatics, yes. And uh, it was good. He played some stuff from his uh, solo album, uh, like this uh, Repo Man and everything, this, and the title tracker and, and some others. And he also played Kicked in the Teeth, if I remember correctly. Wow, one of my favorite ACDC songs. Nice. Yeah, I never, I never thought that I will see this song live, but it happened, yes. That's awesome, man. So, uh, when you first heard uh, Flick of the Switch, what did you think? Uh, it was different. It was more, I don't know, raw, if we can say so. Yeah. I mean, from from the, if you compare it to the other albums which were recorded like two years prior that or three, I mean, Back in Black and For Those About, 
And I must say, I like it very much. I think it's like, if, I don't know, if a power age is underrated jam, if we can say so, for the Bombs catalog, for his part in ACDC, this should be an album for the Brian. I mean, they're, they're, this album doesn't have any, let's say, huge hit like like the boys scored with the previous albums. But it's it's very strong. I mean, you can compare it actually to to Rocker Bust. I mean, the, the format and everything it's pretty much the same. It's like half an hour or so long. Yeah. Uh, but this one is more raw, and I like it. I love it. I yeah, I do notice like you know because the absence of Mutt Lang and. Uh... I believe they produced it themselves, Ian. Was that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think it's a much raw album. It's uh, yeah, not looking for a hit. It's just uh, you know, it's just a, a unabashed fucking uh, slab of ACDC, which I don't think uh, you know, uh, this album. I think it is like maybe the most underrated of all the, the Brian. I mean, I even see Flying the Wall get more fucking praising this album and I think that's a damn shame but whatever you know people are people uh, I yeah. I happen to love it I, the way I discovered it was um, I mean I was an ACDC fan so when it first came out I went and bought it and I remember vividly playing it for the first time loving it I was like fuck man you know these guys were on a roll it wasn't until Fl- Fly on the Wall where that was like the first ACDC album that I was like oh man I mean they're playing with girls kicks ass I like Sink the Pink. I like Shake Your Foundation. Flying the Wall somewhat. The rest of it, I was kind of like, eh. Like Danger and stuff like that. I was like, okay. This is so far the worst ACDC album. I think Fly, uh, Flick of the Switch was just a solid fucking album. And I think it was a good follow-up for those about to rock. I may like For Those About to Rock more. But this one, I think, is more raw than For Those About to Rock. And, and it's just... It's pure ACDC to me. That's what it is. It's just pure ACDC. It didn't have the fillers that plagued all the albums afterwards. And uh, and then I saw the tour with Fastway, and they opened the show with a guitar solo, which was amazing. And uh, and then they started the, the, the show with the song from this album that should have opened the album. It's my only complaint about the album. It should have opened with another song, but... Um, I absolutely love this album. Uh, how about you, Ian? Uh, well, before I get into it, I just wanted to ask you, since you were, you know, already a fan, and you were there, you saw the show, uh, you know, and this one didn't do as well. Now, do you recall, like, you know, other friends of yours that were into ACDC maybe not liking this as well, or was the yes. concert was the concert yes. less attended than no. previously? No, the, the concert was as packed as every other show, but... There was uh, somewhat of a backlash, uh, not from a lot of my friends, but some of them were like, "Ah, no, I don't like the new ACDC album." And I was like, "Oh well, okay, I love it, but you know, if you don't, that's fine." But um, yeah, I do remember some people back then weren't a big fan of that album, and but then I also remember a bunch that were. You know, there were a lot of people back then that I knew that loved it. You know, and. Yeah, that, that, that show was packed, man. It was like, that show was packed really on the strength of, you know, ACDC, not because of, uh, I, it was never that way back then, man. A band can release an album that didn't sell much, and if the previous album was, you know, 
platinum or so, they would still pack places in the 80s. I, I, you know, unless it was Kiss, you know, but every other band I can think of, you know, they, you know, I, I, I'm sure Rat uh, Dancing on their Cover didn't sell as good as the other two, and that right. was packed, you know, right. so. Now, the, the attendance wasn't hurt at all, but yes, I do remember a few back then did not like it, and I remember a few did like it, you know, so. It was kind of half and half, almost. Uh, there was a slight, you know, because it didn't have that radio hit. You didn't hear, like, anything off this album off the radio back then. Not that I remember. I don't remember anything from this album on the radio back then. So, and that, you know, and I also put a big, big uh, fraction on people that, you know, uh, you know they, they, they're spoon-fed, you know. And there was a lot of spoon-fed people at that time. You know, in the 80s, it was, it was a spoon-fed uh, decade, you know. It was like, you know, whatever radio and and uh, MTV played is what dictated what people should like. And I was never that person because luckily I was around before MTV. So I know what it was like to be into, like, you know, if you want blood, you got it. When nobody knew who ACDC was back then. You know, I was a big fan of that album. And, you know, soon after Highway to Hell came out, and that's what really broke them in the States because for those about uh, if you want blood they were either an opening act or they were like co-headlining with Cheap Trick or UFO you know they weren't like a big big band yet so uh, it wasn't you know and Highwood Hell just exploded them you know back in block again you know like 5150 from Van Halen it was like 1984 put them on that plateau so whatever they were going to release afterwards was going to be a success no matter who was Replaced or whatever, you know. AC, uh, Van Halen was the biggest band in 1984, so whatever they were going to release next, it proves my point. Look how well 5150 did. That's the strength of the popularity of before. And ACDC just came off Back in Black, and and for those about to rock was a number one album. So and and for those about to rock was an anthemic song from that time that was played all the time on the radio. So, you know, and also, if you go and see ACDC, you're going to be, your mind is going to be so blown that if the people that didn't go, they're going to hear about it. So it's total word of mouth uh, back in 83. That's pretty much the people that were at that show that that never saw ACDC before, they were there because their bro- older brother or their friends were telling them, you got to see ACDC live, they're mind blowing. And I got to tell you, man, I saw For Those About to Rock, and even though I liked that album more, I thought the Flick of the Switch tour was even better than that show. Much better, actually. I mean, they were on fire that night. That was the best time I ever saw them with Brian Johnson. But For Those About to Rock was a great show. I'm not saying it was a bad show. But with Brian Johnson, I think the Flick of the Switch tour was the best show I saw. And every other show I saw afterward were solid 10s. That one just went to 11. So uh, right there you go. Right on. Uh, this is an album I got. I would say I'm sure it was around '88 or '89 because my first album was Who Made Who, and then I went back and, and due to songs that I liked on Who Made Who, you know, kind of dictated what I bought. Of course, I you know I went and got for those about and uh, and and back in black, and I'd also you know I'd heard. The song Highway to Hell on the radio, so I got that one. Uh, who made Who made me go out and get Dirty Deeds though, because because of, of Ride On. 
you know, and I uh, I remember waiting for Blow Up Your Video. That's because that was the one after Who Made Who. That's the one I was like really anticipating. Like, oh, I want to hear the new ACDC. Uh, and at that time, I really loved that one as well. So I started buying even more uh uh, you know the back catalog, and this one I, I just I always love the cover to this album. That uh, Atlantic Records hated. They they did not like the cover at all. Didn't think it would stick out in, in the record stores, and the band also wanted the the cover kind of raised. You know, like how Back in Black was Ralph on vinyl. Well, that's how this was. Though. Well, mine uh, is. You know, you you touch it, and and there's you know it's grooves, like you know. It pops out. Oh. Unless they change them in later copies, but I still got my original copy. You touch it and you you know yeah. you can feel Angus and, and the logo and everything. We're, okay, well may, maybe he had to fight to do that because I was reading about it. Atlantic didn't want to spend the extra money on it because they believe that this album contained no hit signal uh, singles. And, uh, all right. So they, they didn't want to put the money into it. Okay, maybe I, I misread it. I thought that he wanted it and it didn't get done. But maybe that's something like he just forced them to do. It got done. Maybe later okay. later copies didn't, but I still got my original. And yeah, it has the... Uh, it's oh, raised. Okay. It's ra- even Angus Young is raised and the little switch, yeah. everything on there is raised. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'd like to pick that up. But uh, like I said, from what I've what I've heard of the, the ACDC vinyl remasters and from multiple people said get the originals if you can that's one of the rare remasters where they they didn't like the way it was done so that's good to know I'm going to look up try to get me an original copy on Discogs but uh, this is something I, I, I did eventually get I got it through I think Columbia House or whatever you know I got it on cassette uh, and I listened to it once and I didn't hate it but just like nothing stuck out at me. So it's one of those ones I listened to it once, kind of put it back in my collection when I started buying everything on uh, CD. Uh, I never got around to getting this one. But then I did go back and buy, uh, I, I rebought on, I bought it on CD, I should say, for the first time. When ACDC did those, uh, like the Diggy Pack remasters in 2003. Now those I thought sounded great on CD, those remasters. Uh, I went and bought it because I was like, you know what? I need to give this album uh, another chance. And, you know, now it kind of has a stigma about it, you know, uh, where people talk about this being the dark worst. Oh, you got to check that out because you missed it the first time. This is a really good record. So there, there's also a lot of people who champion this album. Now oh, there, that, that is true. There is a lot of people online that point to, you know, the, 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 the countercultural people. This is the yeah. best one with Brian Johnson, you know, because it didn't do well. A lot of those albums are like that, you know, like Motley Crue '94, and right. you know, a lot of those albums that didn't really get a fair shake, and right. they're and they are kick-ass. They, they they blow them up bigger than they what they are. I, yeah, I it, still think it's a great album, but it's no back in black, man. Right, but I mean, it, it is kind of like the hipster thing to do, you yeah, know? And exactly. It, and, and and I think there's some people though who honestly do believe that, but I also think there's you know just like with the album. You know, there's people who I believe really do love that album, and then there's people who just blow it up because it's the Dark Horse. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I rebought it, uh, listened to it, and again, it's like, you know, it's nothing. We're like, oh, what a what a fucking stinker, or what a turd. But 
to me, there was just always something missing on this. And it's it's never, even to this day, and I've listened to this like four or five times getting ready for the review, there's really nothing I can pinpoint and say this is where it went wrong or, or this is, you know, uh, there's one thing that's shining. I think it comes down to just it didn't have the right mixture of songs and uh you know there, there's a lot of shit i'll, I'll get into after we review the songs but there, there's some real interesting history to this album and what was going on internally in the band and and, and i'll also you know comment and say what the band has to say about the album too but we'll do that after we do the songs oh but, I, I do want to bring up one thing uh okay i think i brought this up on a past episode i bumped into brian johnson at a at a red light and he was in a convertible, and I did say to him, I go, man, you guys should play stuff from Flick of the Switch. And he said, I'll tell the boys. <laughs> that's that's my little thing. I just told him that. You should play something from Flick of the Switch, man. Because, you know, after this tour, they never, ever played anything. Like, Final right. had no songs from uh, Flick of the Switch on the set list. And, and so on, you know. This was just, right. if you wanted to hear, you know, uh, you know, uh, Guns for Hire, the title track, you had to be at that tour. You'd never see that live again. Right. Who knows? Maybe Axel will make them do it. That'd be nice. Yeah, because there's definitely some songs on here that I would love to hear live. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, Shit, there's that, one song that they didn't play on that tour that I wish they could play live. One of my nice. favorites on here was not played live. Nice. All right, well, Neon Knight, since you are our very special guest, uh, why don't you take the first track, Rising Power? Okay, uh, it's one of the best openers of Brian's era, actually, according to my opinion. Uh, and is it about a prostitute who was having some fun with one of the boys? <laughs> and in the, in the morning, he took all of his or of their money it's not specified and, and uh, i actually love it especially because of the brian's screams i mean he's really singing his gut out his guts out and i think it went uh, there his his vocals actually went south after this tour i mean you hear some screams also in the later years like fly on the wall era and so but actually this is one of the last songs last albums if you wish uh that he actually made his screens and i also think like you guys said before it would be really interesting to see axel singing this song because it is really really good for his uh, it's like made for him yeah. you know like like i, I can see him sing this and that's, that's actually all about it. I mean, I love it. It's very good. I love the opening riff. It's like, like I said, one of the best openers. I mean, okay, you have for those about rock and you have uh, Back in Black and everything. But it's really, really, it is a riff which stands out. Cool. What, what do you think, Ian? Um, I like this song. Uh, I, I do like it. I think it's a good song, but... I don't know. I, I don't feel it's an opener. I, I, I think it's it would be better placed in, in the middle of the album. Uh, like I said, nothing really to bitch about, but I, I just there's some other songs on here I think are more bombastic uh, that would really set this off. 
And I think probably, you know, a yeah, spoiler for the next song. I think it starts off with two songs that shouldn't start out an album, and that might be what turned people right off the bat. Sometimes you want to you want to hit them in the head right away to get them into the feeling of it and stuff. And maybe it it's because I think this album is a slow start that maybe people didn't give it much of a you know as much of a chance or go back to it as much. Uh, again, there's no song on this album that's like, ugh, where the fuck did that come from? But I, I think you want something a little catchier. But, uh, so, so, so you mean that they should try with, for example, with Guns for Hire or something like well, a bit more I, up-tempo? I, so. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'll get into it when I get into the songs, but I think should have opened it. But uh, yeah, I just think something a little bit more uh, grabbing. Uh, but but it, it's a small complaint. But I'm, I'm just trying to think of why this didn't go over as well as the others because this band was huge at this time I mean they were they were really huge like Ralph said people still showing up live but there's just something about this album that people didn't give it the same chance or the same reverence that they gave the previous ones and it did go platinum it did sell it just didn't sell like the other ones did and and I'm, I'm trying to find that reason why because they were set up to win and something happened uh, now, I do know, at least in the States, that this album was not promoted near as well as the previous ones because Atlantic Records themselves didn't believe in this album. Well, that's why it didn't sell as well. They so, didn't push it like they did the, the previous two. Right. But, you know, sometimes there's albums that just blow up. I don't know if that's the only thing, but I'm, I'm sure that didn't help. But, uh, but again, I you know I don't want to come up and say I do like the song. I just think it's 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 a bad placement. What do you think, Ralph? I think it's an awesome song, and yes, I, I think this song should have opened side two. Actually, I'll tell you what song should have opened this album. But uh, man, great riffage as expected by Malcolm. I love when Brian screams like "We'll raise the dead," and you know the the classic backing vocals for the ACDC. No rise in power. I didn't know it was about a hooker. That's that's cool to know. Uh, I didn't know it was about that, but uh, I think it's a great song. It's an awesome song. But you know what? I mean, you look at the albums before it. The, For those about to rock was a slow song. Uh, Hell's Bells was a slow song. You know, they opened with kind of mid tempo, so I guess they were trying to do that again. But but I love it. I'll take the next one. Uh, House is on fire. Another killer. This song is killer. And they did play this one live. And uh, it's very catchy. I find it to be a very catchy mid-tempo rocking tune. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe it wasn't a wise choice to put this after Rising Power because, you know, you, you had your, you know, uh, what is it, put the finger on you and, you know, shoot the thrill. And, you know, even the, the second album, Girls Got Rhythm, a little more up-tempo than the opening track. But still a cool song. I really dig this song. House is on fire. What do you What do you think, Knight? Um, I think um, I love it also. I mean, uh, it's uh, I love the intro and everything. And do I hear a bit Hell's Bells in it in the beginning? It's, it's not like they were trying to recreate it or so, but it is very similar. I mean, I listened to both so. Just, just to check if it's just my thought or so, but I, I think it's a bit similar riff, but 
Uh, and I think that should be also another one, another great uh, take for Axel, maybe. Yeah. And as uh, as you said, it was also perform performed live, and I loved it. I mean, I didn't see the tour since I was born in '94, but uh, the recordings and everything that I checked the, before this episode and everything before the session, uh, it's good. It was awesome. I mean, Brian was once again screaming his guts out, if we can say so. And also, Philly is awesome on the drums. Yeah, no, and I also have to agree that uh, uh, Brian Johnson, this is his peak vocally as far as the screams go. He never really sang this uh, with this much power ever since then. And yes, uh, that's something we didn't mention was Phil Rudd is on this album, but he didn't do the tour. Uh, that was Simon Wright on the, the drums on that tour, but he did. This was the final album till what was it? Uh, Ball, Ball Breaker. Breaker. Yeah, till Ball Breaker. Uh, yeah, and it's it's actually very very interesting, like like how history is repeating. We can say so because um, like the last uh, album, he also recorded this one, but left yeah. prior uh, the recording of Promos. I mean. You can you you can see the, the promos where is uh, Simon Wright and if my information are uh, are correct, those promos were actually recorded during their sound checks for the tours. Is yeah, that yeah, correct? Yeah, it sounded like you know a rehearsal. Like the videos were in a rehearsal hall, right. and like you know probably like their their little warehouse or something because see all the the speakers and all the gear around them, but. I don't think it's a sound check because they're not on a stage. It looks like they're in a warehouse. No, um, I mean these uh, rehearsals, uh, these, uh, these preparations that they had prior to the tour, because there's actually a full video on YouTube about their preparations. It was actually one hour or something long, and there you can hear and see various takes on certain songs, and one is also which I think it's better that we discuss later, Rory Gallagher's <coughs> Well, that's interesting. You mean to tell me like that that footage, there's like an hour's worth on YouTube? Yes, it's it's full. It's one hour and 20 minutes long, wow. something like that. Oh, I gotta watch and, that. And it's actually, it's, it's actually very awesome because I, I've read that they, they actually, the, the record, uh, label guys uh, said them we need to record something and so and that they just then said okay come on our practices and everything and record us jamming live if, you, if we wish and then they just uh, correct the, the recordings the videos in the post-production or so did they do like every song off this album or did they like mix it up with like hell's bells and stuff uh, no, um, I don't remember correctly since there was. I just um, went through to see the the most inter interesting uh, points, but there is like few takes on the rising power, and it's actually very interesting because they are. I've different. never seen that. All I've seen from this was flick of the switch and nervous shakedown uh, from from yeah. that that footage. That's all I've ever seen. Yeah, and the nervous shakedown is actually has uh, two two uh, two promos. One is from these rehearsals, 
and the other one is from some concert that actually put together different pieces from concerts and it's actually very interesting to see that they made two promos for the song. I mean, more about it later, but it's very interesting, yes. Uh, it's wild because uh, Flick of the Switch was shown a lot on MTV back then when the album was new. This is a video that they would show, but they never showed anything else. Um, what do you think of uh, Houses on Fire, Ian? Um, I, I think it's filler, but I, but I dig it. Uh, again, there's nothing on here I think is horrible, but I don't think it's a standout track. Uh, and, and again, following up Rise and Power, I, I just don't think those are the two uh, to lead it off. Again, I can't, I can't say anything bad about it, but it doesn't stick out to me. It's not one that I remember after it's done. Well, what do you think of the title track? The title track? Holy fucking shit, do I love this one. <laughs> now, this is classic with a capital fucking C. And depending on where you lived, uh, this was the third single from the album. They did have the, the video made for it. That This was filmed in an uh, uh, airplane hangar. Uh, but uh, I, I love this one. But yeah, it was only released as a single in Australia, Canada, and the U.S. Uh, I absolutely love this. Now, th this, like I said, this should have started off the album, in, in my opinion. Uh, just a great... Bam, you know, we're back. Because, I, I mean, in today's era, it means nothing that they took a year off. But back then, you know, albums, people were still putting out an album every year. And they took a little bit of time off, came back with this one. And I, I think if people put that needle on the turntable or press play on the, the deck and this one came out first, I think it would have grabbed people more. And that could be the problem with this album. Is I don't know if there's as many songs as, you know, the, the previous well, all of them that just reach out and grab you. I, I think there's a lot of like, this is an album made of album tracks and, and not enough like, you know, those big singles. But this one, uh, I, I can't say enough good about it. My favorite track on the album. I absolutely love it. What all do you right, think? Yeah, yeah go, oh. go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Okay, um, so the title track, um, it's um, also. Uh, Guys, are, can you hear me? There was some some buzzer in the in the conversation, or is okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hear anything. Everything's fine. Ah, okay, okay. And then maybe my headphones are playing or something. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's another killer, and but it wasn't so good live, according. Really? I mean, I mean, based on the Houston '83 uh, concert uh, video. I, I prefer the studio version and uh, it is also very, very, I mean, not similar, but very giving the dog a bonus, if you can say so. I hear some riff from the beginning and if you compare both tracks, it's, it's also the same thing, like we said before, for the, for the, which one? Let me check my notes, just give me a second, please. Uh, for the yes, for the this house is on fire, yes. Rap, uh, what you so, oh, okay. yeah, okay. sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Flick of the Switch to me is one of the greatest Brian Era songs. Uh, amazing riff, and it's very hard not to drive fast when this comes on my iPod shuffle. And it's an amazing song, and I can see why it made the title track. And yeah, I, I also agree it is the best song on the album. 
not by much, but it's, it is my favorite song on the album. I dig it. Uh, next one, Nervous Shakedown. Killer, killer, killer song. Uh, you know, it's like a brick to the balls groove. I love that riff and backing vocals on the chorus. You know, he sings it like a man. It's a crusher. Absolutely underrated gem from the Brian era. And yeah, there is a similarity of Back in Black. You know, it has that kind of like groove. Of, but ACDC is a band that, you know, every album's the same, but yet different. But I absolutely love Nervous Shakedown. What do you think, Ian? Oh, yeah. I, I really dig this one. Uh, but I, I see what, you know, you guys are saying about similarities on this song, uh, on the last song. And this is also probably the first time, e- even in the press, that that issue is coming up. Like, you know, this, you know, it sounds like they're rehashing ideas and stuff like that. But, hey, if it's something as good as the sound ACDC came up with, I don't mind. Because... <laughs> I love this fucking song. It's got a, it's got a sweet, dirty groove to it. Um, was the second single off this album, or third, depending on where you live. Uh, but I, I really, really dig it. I would have loved to have seen Flick of the Switch open up the album and then this be the second track. I think I, I love the way these flow into one another. And, you know, at this point when I'm listening to this for the reviews, I'm like, okay, now I see what I'm missing. Now I'm getting it. You know, maybe it's just I, I kind of checked out with the first two. But these two back-to-back are, are class. I would love to see Nervous Shakedown live. And I also, I need to look. I've got a lot of ACDC bootlegs. Uh, and I've actually got one from the Fly on the Wall tour that's really awesome. And I'm not the biggest Fly on the Wall fan. But that tour, and it sounds really good. I need to try to find... Uh, a bootleg uh, from the from the store. Did you did, did you get the Texas one, which was actually meant for the live album with Brian, but it was later I think abandoned because of the uh, Who Made Who compilation. Oh no no I need I need to I, I'll, I'll track that one down though I'll be on the lookout. But yeah I, I love Nervous Shakedown. What do you think of this one, Knight? Um, I think it is a solid track, but if you compare it to the previous three, previous three it is uh, not so good. I mean, it, it has too much repeating of the shakedown worth and everything, but though I love the, the riff, it is mean as hell, but I love it. I love this, different opinions. <laughs> Alright, uh, Knight, why don't you take the next one, Landslide. Okay, uh, it is uh, actually the best track on the album for me it is definitely a lost jam and i do i love brian singing on this one i mean he's once again singing the guts out of he's he's really on on fire on this track and i also love the backing vocals boys are really on fire here also and it is awesome ending of side one. I mean, it's the best, uh, the best song and the best way to end this side. All right, Ian, what do you think? Uh, I, I dig this one, and and to me shows there's just something a little different about this. And to me, I hear some fucking Uncle Ted in this, and the guitar playing really kind of reminds me of some fucking '70s era classic Ted Nugent. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about this one. A solid way to end uh, side one. No complaints here. This would be another one 
I, I think would work great live. I dig it. Yeah, this is my second favorite one off it. It's Breakneck Speed ACDC. It's a manic song. The way Brian delivers this song is fucking awesome. I love when he does that. Chicken needs a break, it needs a make, it needs a landslide. And then the other one, he's like, walking in and talking to the rock and the landslide. You know, that shit's different. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's a fast-ass fucking song. And I absolutely adore this song. And I don't recall them playing this live. This is the one where I wish they would have played live. Uh, love landslide. Yeah, it's a great way to end side one. Side two starts with what I feel should have started the album. It's what started the show. Uh, Guns for Hire. They, you know, Angus came out, did a guitar solo, and then went into... This should have opened the album. It, it, it's one, you know, it's it's what it's what opened the show. It's you know, it's just fucking, it's just an amazing song, and I love, you know, when he's like, you know what you got, you take what you want. Look out, woman, I got guns for hire. Shoot you with desire. I love that fucking chorus. It's criminally underrated track and i absolutely love this fucking song what do you think oh yeah uh this this is a great one and i agree uh that this this would work as well i like click the switch as an opener but this one would work just as good this was the first single off the album backed with landslide as the b-side uh yeah man uh I, i like this one and again it's you know i, I can't help but think if they would have sequenced this better, more people would have uh, would would got behind this album. You know, promotion helps too. But th- this has all the elements of classic ACDC. And again, you guys keep pointing out uh, how good Brian sounds on this, and that's something I will definitely say. And you know, something I was just you know I was getting in an ACDC mood. Uh, you know, at, when I'm reviewing this and I'm looking at shit on other albums, and it made me think of Fly on the Wall because that's another kind of dark. Uh, Dark Horse in their catalog, and I was reading complaints about uh, Brian's vocals on that album, and it wasn't so much about his vocals, but like how bad they were in the mix, and people complaining like they couldn't really hear Brian that good. And then I was like, well, let me listen to a track because I haven't listened to Fly on the Wall forever. And, and uh, man, I couldn't agree more. He was down in the mix, and it didn't sound that great. But that was also produced by the Brothers Young, uh, like this one. But on here. They did an excellent job with uh, with his vocals because they are up front on every track in this. And yes, he, he does sound fucking amazing. Yeah, Guns for Hire, great shit. What do you think, Neon Knights? Um, I think it, it is a solid track, but um, actually, it's a bit weak. I mean, ah, okay. there is there is there is the same problem as with uh, with the shakedown because there is a too mad too much. Repeating, repeating of the whole guns for hire thing, uh, but well off when the Brian when Brian goes crazy by the end. And I think that this song should be. I mean, it's quite surprising or so that Brian is not that, that this song wasn't a hit. Or I mean, because if you if you go through all fan tracks or. So if you go through a whole album, it's quite interesting that because this song, if you ask me, should be the hit single. The album doesn't have the actual single, but I think this song has all the potential to be one. 
Right on. Cool. What do you think of the next one, Knight? Deep in the hole. Um, it's. I mean, it's weaker. Like, in, if you compare it to the other tracks, um, I don't. I'm not sure what her lyrics about are about a woman who killed her man and buried him somewhere. Or is it about the sex? I don't know. But that is open for a for a discussion. Definitely, it's a filler, but it's not a bad track. <coughs> Ian, uh, well, I think this song is about actually about what Andrew Jacobs knows nothing about: being deep in a hole. Uh, <laughs> I love this. I I find this very interesting. That uh, uh, a lot of the stuff I like, Knight, you consider the weaker stuff, and vice versa. But man, that's I, what I love. It's all about different opinions. And I'm just glad we're talking about this album. I think, again, this is a standout fucking track. And this is one uh, Ralph mentioned when we were, uh, to me before I even started listening to it. He's like, you know, rattling off a couple of songs. He goes, oh, I fucking love that album, you know, and, and deep in the hole. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I don't remember that. And then I'm listening to this. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is good fucking ACDC here. And it has that strut that I like, man. It, it's just got a, a great groove to it. But I will say this is kind of where the album ends for me. Uh, but, hell, even if that's where it ends, it ends on a great note. I love being deep in the hole, and I love the fucking to hear deep in the hole. Great track. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, yeah. Stinking mid-tempo groove. Awesome song. Deep in. I love that. Deep in. Deep in the hole. I fucking love this one. Even though it's an amazing track, you know, uh, very much the the underrated gem on this one, and uh, un- underrated gem off an underrated album, uh, you know. And so far, to me, this album proves that they didn't need Mutt Lang to make an amazing album, and this song fucking proves it, man. I love Deep in a Hole. Uh, what do you think of Bedlam in Belgium, Ian? This is where it ends for you, huh? Bedlam in Belgium. Uh, now, this song is reportedly based on a true incident that happened with the band, but I, but I believe during the uh, the Bon Scott era. Of course. Where they they <laughs> they played a show, and they went past the 11 p.m. curfew at this venue, and the cops tried to shut it down, and it just became a riot. And uh, I think that's a cool story. Uh, now, the song itself... Again, not horrible, but I like I like the the verses a lot better than the chorus. I like I like the music in in the verses and everything, but when it gets to the chorus, uh, the bedlam in Belgium, I don't know. It's just it's not a standout track to me. It's it's a filler track. What do you think, Knights? Uh, actually, I love it. It's my second favorite <laughs> track of the album. Of course, it is. <laughs> And as you said, it's based on Bond's incident with the cops in Belgium, where they uh, went through this 11 o'clock thing. And the, when the cops showed uh, in this place, actually Cliff hit a cop with his base. And oh. as far as I heard, and then the whole mayhem or all this thing was stopped when the cops pulled, uh, pulled out the guns. Nobody was shot or something, but they pulled guns and then the mayhem was stopped or so. 
And actually, um, as you said, yes, it's a Bones uh, incident thing. And it's actually interesting. Uh, I, I've posted also my interview with this Australian guy, Jesse Fink, who wrote uh, two excellent books about Bond and about the Youngs. And according to his books, this uh, Flick of the Switch album is actually the last one where the boys used some Bond's um, idea, song ideas um, because there is a rumor or maybe some, uh, let's say, ACDC legend, if you wish, that when the Bond passed, there was a notebook with whole lot of ideas about certain songs and also about You Shook Me All Night Long, that it was actually the song that Bon written and because it is quite interesting seeing Brian coming from what was the name of his previous band, Jordi or something. Yes. Uh, so he's coming from, let's say, middle mid-successful band into ACDC and while he has written their best hit out of nowhere. It's quite strange and also I uh, I, I suggest you to read his, this thing's uh, second book. Uh, it's about Bon and everything, his last days and since you are both huge fans of Bon and everything, you really must read it. It's well, is it, is it The Last Highway? Yes, yes. That, I, that I have it, I have it. And I'm not, I have the audiobook, I'm not finished with it, but yes, in The Last Highway, they do talk about the, it's very suspect that, uh, you know, Brian came in with this song, but they also said that the lyrics to You Shook Me All Night Long is totally how Bon Scott was, you know, with the American yes. chicks, American thighs, and the whole American girls type thing. It fit what Bon was feeling toward the end of his life. You know, he had this thing for American chicks, and and that was a big, you know, everybody always points that points to every have a drink on me because you know that, that really does uh fit bond well because you know he was a drinker and everything and they're oh no he wrote have a drink on me but in this book it claims he wrote he shook me all night like 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 those lyrics are all bond scott that's what it says in the book and i found it interesting because even before before they talked about you shook me all night long they were talking about like bond scott wanted to start a fucking southern rock band uh, yeah, it, he was he was very into Leonard Skinner and everything. Yeah, Leonard Skinner and Molly Hatchet. And if you looked at later Bon Scott uh, pictures, he wore a Rebel Flag belt buckle. And yes, that's Because he was he was so into Southern rock, and they toured with Molly Hatchet. And a funny story in the book was uh, Molly Hatchet. Uh, they opened for Molly Hatchet, and Danny Joe Brown, after the first show, went up to the manager saying, "Dude, don't have us headline over these guys anymore." You know, they, they're totally destroying us out there. They're making us look like shit. So they actually had to flip where Molly Hatchet opened for ACDC. That's what it's claims in the book. And I can totally see it. And I'm a huge Molly Hatchet fan. But, dude, yeah, there's no match for ACDC, you know. With Bond, forget it. But, yeah, and then Bond wanted to start a Southern Rock band. Uh, but he was, like, saying, ah, oh, but I'm too busy with ACDC. But I forgot who he was he talked to on in the book he talked to some other musician saying dude I want to start a southern rock band with you but let me do 
you know, ACDC's got to do a new album and stuff, but then afterwards I want to do some Southern rock shit, you know. And then there was also a lot of rumors they were about to kick Bon Scott out of the band because uh, he wasn't getting along with Malcolm at the time and uh, he, he was partying way too hard, you know. So. Yes, and was he, was he also saying in the book that uh, actually Bon, that it is suspected that Bon uh, passed away after, let's say, celebrating its, uh, his work with the album, because as far as I, uh, as far as I have understood the book, uh, it says that Brian, uh, Bon actually wrote all the lyrics for the Back in Black, and then he go, he went out to have a good time and everything, and due to, let's say, accidental events and everything. He died. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't get to that part of the book, but you know, I mean, I I know other things about ACDC, and like, I remember um, when they were rehearsing for Back in Black, uh, they they uh, it was Malcolm and Angus were writing the music, and they told Bond, "Look, go go away for a while, write some lyrics, take a break, and then meet up back with us, and we'll do it." So maybe when he took that break, he wrote all the lyrics. I don't know, but I didn't yes, get to that part of the book yet. Yeah, and because actually I don't want to spoil you the pleasure because the book is really good, uh, but it says that Bon actually died on because of the uh, heroin overdose or something. Yeah, well, they, well, what I heard in the book so far was he was dabbling in heroin, that he wasn't like taking heroin a lot. He was, it was like if they, if heroin's around, he'd take it, but he wasn't out there. Well, I don't know. I haven't gotten too deep in the book, but the book is talking about how he did try heroin several times because there was some chick he was seeing would bring him heroin. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I mean, he wasn't a regular user or something. He was more yeah. of a stodge guy or more of a whiskey guy. But as far as I, as I remember, that actually whole mixture of everything because he overdosed with the heroin that fatal night and everything and that also then due to everything he died in the car okay, more, more about it in the book yes okay, to yeah, spoil I, know, I know when uh, the autopsy just showed uh, too much alcohol in his system but I don't know I'll, I'll keep reading the book but the book is damn interesting I don't own the book but somebody was nice enough to send me the audio book and I've listened to maybe two discs so far but, yeah, um, I, I have but, it, and I, I also really recommend you the, the first one, The Ants. Okay, Brothers I'll... It's really good about how, actually, who is not young by blood is just a spare part, because it's actually their band, and everything, and really good. And also, based on this book, I think that they will actually record another album with Epson. Not because of these rumors and everything, but since there was all this chemistry between Angus and Axel and all his appearances on GNR shows and everything, I think there is something going on, yes. Yeah, I, I hope so, man. I really hope so, because I would love to hear an Axel Rose-fronted uh, ACDC album, because I think if Axel joins ACDC, they're going to make an extra effort to make a killer album, you know, the, uh, because, dude, you got a lot to prove. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I was, exactly. I was just going to say that a lot to prove. You got a lot to prove because you got a lot of naysayers out there. So you better deliver a damn good album. And Axel is a perfectionist. You know, I don't think Axel will step on Angus's toes saying, "No, you got to do it this way." But I think Axel will probably rub off a little bit on Angus, as far as because he's such a mega ACDC fan, especially the Bon era. That yes, and his singing is also better. I mean. I've seen him with with both in GNR last year, and I also see him in in the summer when they come to Europe once again. And with, as I said, uh, with Axel DC, and yes, you are absolutely right. Uh, Axel DC is way, and I mean way, way, way better. Yeah, you know the one complaint, and I didn't see this live. But I saw it on YouTube, and when you watch YouTube footage, it doesn't really show. You have to be at the show. But my yes, all-time that's... favorite ACDC song is Touch Too Much. And they didn't play it, but I saw footage of Axel doing it with ACDC, and I was like, it wasn't even Axel that was ruined. It was like, dude, that song, Touch Too Much, to me, sounds like a studio song. Like, as yes, a band, that's... right? As a band, it doesn't capture that that magic that studio version does. Kind of like I Still Love You from Kiss. You know, it's like, you can't yes, play that shit live. You know, it sounds better live in the studio, you know. But yes, everything uh, else, Riff Raff and all that, dude, come on, that shit was amazing. Yes, they they uh, they played this song in the Europe in Prague, in Prague, in Czech Republic. That was the show after mine, and I was really pissed. I mean, uh, you didn't I love Bond. Yes, I've seen, they played, they had the... They added that night, if you want a blood on the set list, but after this, this there was touch too much, and I was and I was like, really? Now you add it on the list? Why not? Fine. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't play it when I saw them either, you know. But they did play if you want blood. They played, uh, oh man, high voltage, uh, riff raff, um, hell ain't a black piece. But it was just fucking, it was just unbelievable, dude. But anyway, uh, Bedlam in Belgium. Uh, yeah, I, I have to kind of go with Ian here on this one. You know, this one, may, I don't think it's as good as the songs before it. It's kind of an ACDC by numbers structure track. But I do find it to be a strong song. The riffage is not as classic, but still, a, I think it's still a killer song regardless. But I, I, I call it like killer filler. Uh, the next one, Badlands. Uh, this riff reminds me of uh, In My Time of Dying from Led Zeppelin a little bit, one of the riffs. And you know, and this one is my least favorite on the album. Uh, not something I would skip. It, it, it is a fun song, I admit, but I don't really think it's nothing to write home about, but it, it's something I can hang with. Uh, what did you think of Badlands Night? Uh, I, I love it. I mean, it's my third favorite song of the wow. album. And you know, if we also... lived in Slovenia, we'd, we'd think different, Ian. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I, I love it, though. I, I, I love. No, I love. I love. Cover. I love the fact that you you're liking all these songs that are kind of dark horses, you know. Yes, and this whole album. I, I mean, you like uh, some other songs, and but this this is really good. I mean, it is absolutely this is policy. No no bullshit allowed. It's pure straight to the face Jewish rock and roll and everything and it's really good. Alright, what do you think Ian? 
I, I think this one's total filler. Uh, again, I mean, there's nothing like horrible. There's no like, oh, here's the the ballad on the album or something like that. But I just find it uh, a, a little uninspired, uh, you know, for, for ACDC. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do some more history about this album when we, you know, when we wrap it up. But I, I just feel this one was really mailed in. But I, I got to tell you, j- just hearing, <laughs> you know, the songs that I kind of went on that Night Loves are like, you you really make me want to go back and listen to this album again, <laughs> and, that, and that's rare because usually I've got something so pounded into my head by the time we review it, uh, I'm not ready to go back right away. But you got me you got me thinking. Maybe yeah, I need- you know when, when you're from another side of the planet, it changes Ian's uh, philosophy. When you're a dumbass from Florida, nothing, <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I think this is. Uh, I would probably say yes. My least favorite on the album as, as well. Oh, what? You, oh, take the last one, Brain Shake. Uh, Brain Shake. Uh, now this one I like better than Badlands. Uh, and it, it, it's a it's a good it's an okay way to end the album. I would like maybe one of the stronger tracks to end it. Uh, because like I, I just see like my excitement meter really go down after deep in the hole but this one takes it up like a little notch over the bedlam and belgium and badlands but to me it's still not a standout track but not horrible just okay better than the last two that, that, that's about the best i can give it what do you think uh, knight or yeah, Ra- you ralph well, you well Ra- ralph you go we'll let knight close out the album all right uh yeah this one i would say is not uh, as bad as uh badlands and I do like this one more, Badlands. It's faster tempo. But like for, for those about to rock, they leave the weakest tracks for the end of the album. Where um, for those about to rock, it's three songs. Here it's two songs. Regardless of that, I'll still uh, take for those about to rock over Flick. But not by much, man. Everything after this album is not as strong, I think. You know, I love Rock or Bust, and I think it's better than anything after Flick. But I don't think it's as good as Flick. Uh, like Kiss with Lick It Up, you know. I, I love Monster, but it's not as good as, uh, you know, Lick It Up. Flick for me uh, has never been topped. You know, I think it's their last album that was like, uh, that was amazing. That, you know, everything after, you know, there were some good ones and some okay ones and some bad ones and some really good ones like Rock or Bust, but nothing like Flick of the Switch. To me, this was their last great fucking album. So. Brain Shake, you know, uh, you know, it's like I feel like Badlands and Brain Shake are the two weaker songs on this album uh, to end it. But everything before it, even you know, Belgium, I feel is 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 filler. But I think it's a killer song, regardless, killer filler. And everything before it, I fucking absolutely adore. So that's what I think of Brain Shake. How about you, Knight? Uh, actually, it is a good way to close the album. But on the other hand, it's the weakest song. I don't hate it, I don't love it, it's somewhere in the middle, but definitely the weakest, the weakest song of the album. And uh, as you said, if you put this album against the others, I mean, if you compare them and so, this is, this is actually one of the better ones. Uh, but I also love the ball break since uh, Phil was back in the band then, and it is also very interesting. Like, 
like uh, interesting trivia, if you wish, uh, that during these uh, preparations, during their jamming and everything prior to the tour, they, as I said before, they flew around with the mess and with the feet, this Rory Gallagher's blue song. And during the during the waiting for the ball breaker, when they uh, when they were waiting for the the Rick Rubin to show to show up, uh, they actually fooled around with a song called "She's My Baby," and it is a very interesting outtake from the sessions. But also very interesting to see that they actually like to play this blues and everything, and it would be very very interesting to see. If they will like make an album similar to the Stones, Blue and Lonesome, to cover some old classics. I mean, Angus, uh, you know, uh, loves Chuck Berry and everything, and it would be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Ball Breaker for me was one of the better ones. I know it's because, and that one's really hated. Uh, I love Boogeyman on that one. Yes, and Burning Alive also. Yeah, there was a lot of good songs on that one. I think that one was very overlooked, you know. But like Flick of the Switch, it was not very well uh, respected, you know. Well, I, I yes, but people seem uh, to sorry. like it. I, I saw that tour, and uh, it was the last time I saw ACDC, and it was great. A lot of people I knew, they all loved that album when it came out, and a lot of people I knew liked it better than Razor's Edge, and uh, I did. But but it but it seemed like. You know, in later years, I've, I've seen more hate for it. But, uh, man, at the time it came out, everybody I knew loved it. Okay. But uh, there we go. That is Flick of the Switch. This was released August 15th, 1983, produced by Malcolm and Angus. And uh, the last one until Ball Breaker to feature Phil Rudd, who at the time really wasn't getting on with Malcolm. It seems everybody has a problem with Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm in the middle of all the fights. <laughs> but uh, also, it, it's to be noted that, that Phil had some serious uh, drug and alcohol problems at the time. There was an issue where he showed up very late for a show uh, that caused a lot of problems. Uh, and, and it just shows you how, you know, before the internet, I always heard, and I can't remember if I read this like in a magazine or if it's just something I heard from an older ACDC fan. But I always grew up before the internet uh, with the version that Phil Rudd just lost his mind after Bond died and just progressively got worse and left the band just because he couldn't take being in the band without Bond. Turns out that's not true. Uh, but that's, that's I grew up thinking that. And yeah, I also... You used to tell other people that. I also heard the story, but uh, actually I think it was like a mixture of both, a yeah. mixture of grieving because of bonds lost and everything. And also, I mean, all this rock and roll stardom, fusion, everything. And it was, I think everything was mixed together. And because of that, he, let's say, lost his mind or so. Right. And but yes, definitely. Thanks God, he's he he came back. But now he's gone once again. Yeah, it's unfortunate. R Ralph, what what did you hear as as a as a fan back in the day? 
You know, I never did. I never, uh, it was just very, I didn't read it in no magazines why Phil left or anything like that. I mean, the only thing I could tell you is like the recent times where Phil was slamming Axl Rose and saying he's not the guy for the job. And then a year later, he was like, yeah, yeah, he's the guy for the job. Let me back in the band. (laughs) You remember that shit? Like, at at first he was against it. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. Yeah, or maybe well, he, he did see footage, you know. Yeah, or maybe you know <laughs> he's backpedaling because he wants back. It's very <laughs> well noted that he wants back in the band. Oh yeah, yeah and, and I'm sure with all his recent legal troubles, he can sure use the fucking dough too. I don't know about that though, man. Because dude, you seen that footage of him? He's got like Maserati after Maserati, huge fucking house. You gotta remember, man, that back in black. Album keeps sending huge ass checks. Maybe he wants back in the band just so you know he, he can uh, add another fucking hot hot pool, hot, you know, hot tub in his house or something. Yeah, but but you gotta think when somebody has has a, a, a drug problem and then all his legal problems. And another thing you gotta remember: the majority of the money, you know, with something like Back in Black, I'm sure he gets something from that. But the ones who really get paid. Are the songwriters? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I know. And, that. and and he's never involved in the publishing, so I'm sure he gets a lot from touring. No, but also you think about you know, not only Back in Black, but Highway to Hell was a multi-million selling album, right. you know, and and Razor's Edge. Oh no, he didn't play on that one. No. Uh, but you know, I mean, all the early ACDC catalog still sells. Right. And maybe he doesn't have publishing, but he played on it, so he gets right. a percentage, you know. Right. All right. Well, after the exit of Phil Rudd, they held, and I, I find this amazing, but over 700 auditions uh, in both the U.S. and the U.K. to find replacement. And amongst those was Simon Kirk from Bad Company and uh, Paul Thompson from Roxy Music. But they ended up selling on who I assume was unknown at the time, Simon Wright from the U.K. Uh, he would play on the tour and go on to play on uh, the next two studio albums and tours. I find Simon Wright a very boring drummer. You uh, know, I, I, I got to tell you, I saw Simon Wright with the Deal Disciples and my drummer, um, who's in Thrasher Die now, Brian Wilson. He had a vinyl of Simon Wright's band prior to ACDC. I can't oh, remember the oh, name of really? It. He had a band before? Okay. Yeah, and, and Simon Wright was freaking out, going, wow, you got this? You know, so... Yeah, he had an album out with some other band. I can't tell you the name of the band, though. Right. I, I, I've always found him, you know, nothing against the guy, but I, I was supposed to see him with uh, Jeff Tate's version of Queensryche when he was doing his version of Queensryche, but Simon didn't play that show. I got to see Brian Tishy, who was a fucking amazing drummer. Uh, but, uh, you know, Simon stuck around for a while, and surprisingly, he left ACDC. Uh, to, to join Dio, which I think is like fucking crazy because ACDC was starting to do uh, good again with Blow Up the Video, and and Dio was on his way down as a solo artist, but uh, maybe it was just that uncomfortable of a situation because the band at this time w- was was very tense. A lot of shit going on with, with Phil Rudd going out and a lot of talk of him just being frazzled from so many years on the road uh you know and and they started firing a lot of people after the release of this uh malcolm young was really upset about bad reviews that this album was getting and said uh concert attendance 
was dwindling in some eras, and they kind of went into panic mode. Uh, they fired their manager. They fired, I mean, their photographer. All kinds of shit. It was one of those things where uh, they were just looking to blame other people for this not being a success. And uh, even Malcolm went went on to say about this album, he said it was thrown together real quick, and I wouldn't say it was a good album. Uh, it was originally supposed to be titled, I Like Rock. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, wow. Yeah, I'm glad they changed it to uh, <laughs> at the flick of the switch. You think it would have had a backlash then? Oh, God, yeah. What, what, what a title. But, yeah, it's uh, one of those things where even, even the record company, upon hearing it, was upset because they felt there was no hits on it. It, it came out, it, it did good initially, but, uh, but it is a dark horse, and we love talking about those on this show. So, uh, you know, I want to thank you, Knights, for picking this one. It did go platinum, and, and this album definitely has uh, the people who love it. And I love hearing everybody's different opinions. Ralph and I agreed a lot more than I thought we were on this one. Yeah. And uh, and and Knight, you had a different opinion, and that's hey, equally awesome and 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 welcome. So uh, so I want to thank you for that. Does anybody else have anything to say on this uh, in closing before we go to pick of the week? Yeah, I like getting my ass licked. Okay. <laughs> All right, there you go. There you go. That was a little audio ass looking. All right. Well, Knights, since you are our very special guest, uh, what would you like our listeners to listen to this week? Uh, well, I, I will go with the Scorpions with, all, with an album, Virgin Killer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Catch nice. a train. Picture life. Yes, nice. I love the picture life. I mean, the yeah. intro wow, riff nice. is majestic. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, now, great, great album. In, in Slovenia, do you still get the original album cover, or is it censored? Uh, actually, I'm not quite sure, since my most of my vinyls uh, came from or come from UK or so, because in Slovenia, okay. as you may uh, recall, we were a part of former Yugoslavia. And everything, and these pressings were not so good. I don't remember since I didn't see any or checked online uh, which were the pressings. But uh, but as I said, I think that here they released the censor font, not with the okay. the girl one, but the other one is. Okay. I, I prefer I prefer the the one with the band on the cover. Even though it's not a great album cover, that original copy just fucking disturbs the fuck out of me. I don't want to look at a naked little girl, man. That shit's wrong. It, you know? It, it's it, it's disturbing. It, it reminded like the Blind Faith original album cover. That's another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like that either. Yeah, I, mean, I look at that, that cover, I go, hey, man, take a picture of her 18 years from now. Then I'll like it. Right. Right. Lee yeah. Gertzman, on the other hand, said, what's yeah, wrong he with loves this? It. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> Well, no, right. Virgin Killer, man. That that's an awesome pick, and uh, it was I, my first Scorpions album with Uli. That was my very first one. Yeah, I encourage any of our listeners that like the Scorpions uh, that haven't given the '70s Scorpions because it is a different beast. Uh, check it out because it's absolutely amazing. That's oh, a great I pick. Love, love that album. Great, great, album. great pick, Knight. You got a pick, Arian? Yes, I, I yes I do. Uh, 
my pick is something that's very much in vain with ACDC. And a band that I, I've always heard about, and uh, mostly I knew their lead singer from being in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. But I'm talking about Rose Tattoo. And that's a band that Axl Rose uh, uh, always loved. I, I think you know, it wasn't one of the songs on Lies, it was a Rose Tattoo song. Yeah, it was uh, Nice uh, Boys. Yeah, play. Nice Boys. But it's, it's one of those bands, like I, I got their discography from Mr. X. Uh, just a have, but never really checked it out that much. And then uh, Adam Marshall kept requesting it on my radio show, you know. And uh, the, the way I do it on my radio show, I let you pick the band or the artist, but I pick the song. But I was like, oh, God, I don't really know them, so let me just do a blind, you know, pick and see what happens. And I've had to, I did that twice for Rose Tattoo. And both times I was like, holy shit, I really like this. So then I went back and started listening to some more. And their first album, the self-titled one, came out in 1978, I believe. Just yeah, really, okay. yeah, really solid, good rock and roll. And and, and if, man, if you like ACDC, check out Rose Tattoo, man. Especially the, uh, yes, the first uh, one. I have the first album on vinyl. Yes, it's really awesome. Especially the 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 blues, the ballad song one, the ballad about Butcher and Fast Eddie, something like that. Yeah, it's really good. It's like eight minutes or something long and it's what the story and just awesomeness yeah a really good album man and i, I want to see more people give some attention to them because they they deserve it man some real deal man australia some bad motherfuckers man i, I want to go party in australia i'm not i'm not boxing a fucking kangaroo though fuck that shit <laughs> all right ralph uh you got something yeah, to piggyback on you, here's a very ACDC-ish band. This is a, now I'm called Fragile by the band Yes. I'm just joking. My pick of the week is uh, 1994's Woke Up With A Monster by Cheap Trick. Nice. Oh, nice one, Yeah, I really do love this album. I think this is a very underrated album. That's I picked this because of Flick of the Switch, too, because it's kind of like their Flick of the Switch. Uh, I think it's a very solid album. Yeah, it has a couple fillers. Like Ride the Pony, oh boy. Uh, and Love Me for a Minute, those two are just throwaways. Uh, written by other people, I believe. But the rest of the album, like You're All I Want to Do, the title track, Cry Baby, um, Didn't Know I Had It, Girlfriends. Girlfriends is pretty much a ripoff of Bad Boy Boogie, if you listen to it. Um, I think it's a great fucking album. It's the one album they did for Warner Brothers Records and then soon got dropped. Uh, I believe it's the only album without the iconic Cheap Trick logo, too. Um, it's, a, it's a great album. I, I, My Gang, it's just... Yeah, produced it's total, by Ted Templeman. Ted Templeman produced the album and very badly promoted, and uh, I saw them on that tour open for Meatloaf. Ooh. And then I saw them headline in West Palm Beach, but... <clears throat> yeah, this was a, a very underrated album, and it pretty much got them dropped after this... Uh, Released, they were on Warner Brothers for one album, <clears throat> then they went to Red Ant and released one of their greatest albums of all time. But that I want to review one day. Oh yeah, uh, how's how's the vinyl that they put back out? Did you listen oh, to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. It's great. It's great. It sounds good, man. I dig it. I dig it. I'm, I, I gotta to pick that up. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely a must. I, I saw it in, in in a local record store here, but it was really what this record store as a whole is very pricey. Uh, so I'm probably going to try to pick that one up online. But uh, I would definitely love to have that on vinyl. 
That, the title track alone, I think, is one of the best they've ever done. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's a, you know, for the most part, it's a really good album. It's a really strong album. Especially coming from, you know, Busted and Lap of Le- Well, fucking right. what? The five albums before it. You know, this right. is like their strongest effort. This was the album to bring, to me, Cheap Trick back. Because after this, they released a score of great albums, you know? Right. Uh, and this was when they, you know, okay, let's stop, you know, trying to the right the flame and all that shit. You know? yeah, yeah, I thought it was a shame with, you know, when they got popular again with Lap of Luxury to follow it up with Busted really killed the momentum that they built with Lap of Luxury, you know? They were they were just going for the same thing Hart was doing at the time. Right. You know, they were trying to release another pop song, which I, I don't hate Busted as much as you do, but yeah, it's it, it's there's a lot of schlock on that album. This one, there's no schlock. This one, you listen to this album, and you can tell there's no AOR guy telling them what to do. Right. You know, so that's my pick of the week. Woke Up With A Monster, Cheap Trip. Awesome. Well, now it is time to go to Fan of the Week. And Knights, you are our Fan of the Week. Uh, I, I love seeing your posts uh, on the page. Uh, you're always very active. And I was so happy when you donated because, you know, your donation is, is really 100% from the heart because obviously you're probably not going to make it from Slovenia to the expo. Uh, but but your donation really helps that expo happen and you know uh, again already out the gate we're raising the most donations it's thanks to people like you and i really i really appreciate you doing this and i'm very honored uh you know to have somebody that that's that that's from another country uh, you know totally get in to what we're doing shit you're you're two years younger than my son and to know that you're into this great fucking music really fucking warms my heart i'm glad you get what we do and uh i really really appreciate you brother i'm glad we were able to with we got three people in three different time zones and we found a way to make this work for everybody and i'm, I'm very happy about that yes thank you with uh with the pleasure uh as i've written before um i usually listen to your episodes on my way to work since i have to drive like 40 minutes or so uh, in one way and then 40 back so it's like the good time frame to listen one episode and yes I'm looking forward to hear this recording and also the one that you released today or yesterday the Metallica one yeah and I'm really looking forward to see what yeah yeah We're, we did we did the sequel uh, a couple days ago reload that'll be up next Sunday and then the Sunday after that uh, we're gonna put up this one. We'll we'll put this oh. one as, up as soon as possible. Okay, great. Yeah, after reload, so a week from uh, two weeks from today, uh, we'll, we'll put up the flick of the switch. So okay. I I would love to see a big party in Slovenia, like like rock and metal combat, you know, invade Slovenia. I want to I want to see that shit on the news. <laughs> hey, you yeah, never so... know. My my band did play there, but without me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, and, and just one, one one thing I want you to do for me, Knights. Real, j- just please, can you say, "Children of the Night"? What sweet music they make! What the hell? What Children of the Night? Yes. What sweet what? music they make? Who's who are the Children of the Night? 
<laughs> no, it's it's from Dracula. You have this awesome voice, dude. You have the most awesome voice. Reminds me of Bella Lugosi. I can, love can, it. Can you do this? Blah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's better than Children of the Night, Ian. No, well, that's a classic line from the original Dracula movie. If you've ever seen it. Bella I need to check it, yes. But also, as I said before, if you ever, but I mean ever, it's the huge, huge distance between mine and yours places. Right. If you ever come to Slovenia, sure, let me know. I mean, I I pro bono also work for one of the webzines, uh, which reports about rock and everything. And if you are going, let me know. I mean, I can make you some some advertisements and everything. And sure. Oh, boy, that, that 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 would be awesome. That'd be great. How how, how expensive are hookers over there? Because that might <laughs> that might make me go sooner. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate you donating and helping us uh, raise money for the expo. It, it really means a lot to us, dude. Yeah, no problem. It's a pleasure. Looking forward, of course, to hear some sand-related adventures. And and that's all. Keep up with the good work, yes. You yep. too, my friend. Thank you, and uh, and also a big thank you for for wanting to do this album because I think this album needs a fucking episode for sure. You know, I I have been bringing up this album for years now that I've been wanting to do it. So glad it's always it's already been done. So thank you so much, Knight. No problem. With pleasure. All, All right. right, well, let's get into the plugs. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring workday? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. 
We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter pal, meow meow. This is Bushy. And the mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. All right. This is the Ayatollah of Alcoholic, Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like, too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Hey, Headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights, here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room, and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it. Because my show rules. And only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. All right. Well, if you love that episode, and we know you did, from Miami, Florida to Slovenia, people are enjoying this one. Come back next week. What episode is it going to be? I don't know, because Ralph and I are going on vacation. <laughs> yeah, no more no more shows for a while. This is this is our sixth episode in the last eight days we've recorded. And we're taking a little well-deserved break. When we come back, though, but you guys will constantly get new episodes. But when we come back and start recording again, we're going to get into more fan-bought uh, episodes and, and have more new guests on the show. So please keep those donations coming to help make the Rock and Pod Expo 2 the best it can be. Until next week, this is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Blue. <laughs> Blue. Ha, ha, ha.